Well, it's just a lazy one I've watched episode, isn't it? <laughs> what is up, everybody? Welcome to Clear Tinted Classics, the show where I, your host, Jake Ryan Baker, normally watch classic movies for the very first time and give my nostalgia-free opinions on them today. I wouldn't call it a special episode. Uh, I also probably shouldn't call it a lazy episode because that just feels like I'm being lazy and shitty. Uh, that's not the case. I'm I'm working hard, guys. I'm doing stuff. I just didn't really uh, I didn't really have time this week to do a full episode. I need to get some stuff going. It's I mean, it's almost the holidays. Cut me some slack. Cut me some slack, please. I've watched a bunch of stuff and I wanted to talk about it anyway. So, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> here we are. I never know if you guys even really like these episodes where I break the format and just talk about stuff I've seen recently. Uh, you know, I was, I was kind of mildly encouraged on Facebook. I was talking about one of the films I'm about to talk about. I posted about it and people seemed excited to get a recommendation from me. It was a hearty recommendation. I think I'm actually going to save that for last because I'm probably the most excited to, eh, maybe second last because there's something else that's become my new squeeze. Ooh, I'm teasing. You guys you gotta got to stay tuned for all this super good, important stuff of me just talking about shit that I like. <laughs> I guess, like, uh, no, pretty much everything on my list I enjoyed, so no, no shit talking today. Not another jade repeat here where I shit on a movie. <laughs> Mostly just going to be a lot of, it was pretty good. So, uh, yeah, strap in. I mean, that's, I'm sure, so exciting to hear, but I hope you guys are okay with these kind of episodes occasionally. They're a lot, very easy for me to do because I don't even have to watch anything specific it's just stuff i'm already watching and i chat shit about it uh but hopefully i my hope is always just that you either come away with a couple recommendations of stuff that maybe you're like oh i'll go check that out jake said it was pretty good or maybe you've seen it and you've been wanting to hear somebody talk a little bit about it that's how i am you know whenever i watch something i'm always excited to watch a review or see if one of my favorite youtubers is done a video on it or something like that because i just like to hear what their angle on it is and sometimes they'll say something that reveals something about the film to me and i'll be like i didn't really think about it like that but yeah it really does kind of have that in it and that kind of peels back like a new layer of of the thing that i was watching which is always exciting so i don't know i mean i love watching movie reviews that's why i, I do a movie review show i want to contribute to the sea, <laughs> the wide, wide ocean of stuff that I can't seem to rise above. But hey, I'm putting it out there anyway. And I'm not going to get existential. I just, uh, that just state and facts. <laughs> state and facts. And speaking of facts, I've watched a few things recently, mostly films, but I have a couple shows to talk a little bit about and a podcast I will mention because it, for about a month consumed my life super hard and still is um it's an active ongoing show so that's exciting uh but i realized when i was thinking about the stuff i've been doing lately that show actually was something that i was doing a lot was just listening to episode after episode because there's hundreds of episodes and i was like i can get caught up just i can spend like the next three months just catching up on the show and i guess since i'm already here even though this is a what i've been watching episode i guess i'm going to first talk about what i've been listening to and that show is a movie review show called the cinephobe uh it's pretty popular so i don't think i'm uh necessarily over here gonna give it some kind of big bump or anything like that uh but it's these three guys it, it's weird because i just started kind of listening to some of the recent stuff at first that i'd seen uh, i guess i should what's this I, i'm explaining the show what the fuck <laughs> at first it was just two guys and slowly their producer has kind of become the third guy but it's been interesting because I listened to some later episodes where they've kind of got their dynamic down. You go back to the earlier episodes, he doesn't even talk. And it actually kind of, uh, like, the, the other two are great together, but I, I really like having the third guy to bounce off of. It makes me wonder if I should do more episodes where I have a couple people in, because the banter can be fun, but it's also something that you have to develop, at, uh, you know, over time. So that's what's hard about having multiple guests. There are people that I might be friends with, but we haven't developed like a banter. You know what I mean? And so it can be a little awkward. But when you get like three people on a show and they've got a really good flow, that can work really well. You know, a lot of podcasts at least tend to have two hosts, even if they're podcasts that typically has other people on. 
they'll at least have two, if not three. I'm I'm kind of running through my head of the podcast that I listen to the most. You got Action Boys, that's three guys. You got Doughboys, which is two guys, and they always almost always have at least one guest, if not more. But they've always got the bedrock of their banter to fall back on. I guess I'm kind of a weirdo that I do a show where sometimes the episodes just me. It's just tough because I don't have a lot of time to devote to this. So I always wanted to establish that I could just sometimes do episodes where it really is just me. I haven't had time to have a guest in. You know, there's a reason why a lot of popular podcasts are like actors and comedians and stuff. It's because they have the kind of time to devote to doing a podcast almost full time because that's really what you have to do if you're going to edit and produce and have multiple guests on all the time. You just, it's time consuming. It's already time consuming to do this show. And I've got it down to a point where it's not too bad, but it still does take up a large amount of my time. I, I, uh, I was in a bit of a place right before I recorded the Jade episode, and I recorded this huge, long thing where I was talking about, guys, I just think I maybe am going to have to shut the show down and blah, blah, blah. And uh, some things have changed a little bit, and I don't really have plans on shutting the show down anytime soon. Because the problem that I have is I love doing the show. I love recording the show. It's just there's times where I'm like, man, this is taking up more of my time than I want to admit. And that can be a little tough sometimes because it just, it, I'm not trying to become a professional podcaster. This is just something I do for fun, but I've just met so many people and gotten to talk to so many people doing it that I just, I never want to stop doing it. And I don't even want to go back to doing like a bi-weekly thing because that just feels lame, you know? So I don't know, but my, my biggest problem is just that it takes up so much time to do this show, even though I've got the editing down to, it's pretty minimal. You guys have if you've listened to the show before, you know I'm not doing anything wacky. It's just people talking, and I'm occasionally cutting out too much silence, and that's about it. I mean, maybe that's a problem. Maybe my show would be better if it was more tightly edited, but I just don't have the time to dedicate to it. And I also am just terrible at marketing the show. I I, I don't like revealing numbers, and I'm not going to right now. But, you know, my listenership is not massive. It's like just enough that I every time I think about stopping the show, I'm like, there's a few people that seem to consistently listen to this that would maybe be sad if it went away. I don't know. <laughs> maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they wouldn't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm I'm not really sure. Uh, <laughs> but I like doing the show. I don't plan on stopping it anytime soon. Uh, but sometimes I'm like, man, it would be kind of nice to have a second person that was like my like my go-to co-host, maybe. Maybe that's something I should consider. I have to like rack my brain. I just, I don't want it. It's, it's such a time burden, you know? It's like, who do I know that could also spend as much time doing this dumb shit as me? <laughs> it's like, it's like, what am I doing? I don't know. It, it's fun to just have a one on one guest on sometimes and just talk to him. So I don't know. Why well, did I get off on that? Because I was talking about the dynamics and uh, this show, Cinephobe, which is what I was talking about, has a, a good dynamic of the three guys. You go to some of the earlier episodes, it's just the two, and it's it's interesting listening to them kind of feel their way through. But what is the fucking show? I haven't said yet, have I? It's called Cinephobe. You could maybe surmise it has to do with movies. And if you surmise that, you would be correct. Uh, they r sort of talk about movies. Their criteria is that it has to have 40% or less on Rotten Tomatoes, either from the critics or the audience. Uh, so that's kind of fun that they can do both or whatever. But so... Theoretically, they're typically talking about movies that are maybe not even always necessarily bad, but just sort of poorly received. And I just, it is funny because I, I seem to like the lighter entertainment shows. And yet, my show, I'm typically tackling movies that are a little more heady or well renowned. And I've noticed I kind of straddle in this weird time zone of time zone. What the fuck? <laughs> time zone? <laughs> I just meant to say zone. I straddle this weird zone of. Being a little goofy on the show, but also being kind of serious. But I guess that's just me. I, I like a little humor, but I also do like to break down the movies like thematically and philosophically. So why do I keep talking about myself? Uh, I'm talking about Cinephobe. It's funny. They have really good banter. The show develops as it goes on. They have like little awards they give out at the end of every episode. And I, I find myself very excited about those awards. They give out like a best acting award, a worst acting award, who had the worst accent. They have a thing that where they kind of pick their favorite moment from the film. They have like a running gag that they call. I don't know. Even even listening to the beginning, I, I guess I haven't gotten to the point where they consistently give out a horseman award. But they have something they call the 
Five Horsemen Award, which is, it's just like a set list of things that seem to occur in every movie, like exposition or banter or things like that. And they'll, they'll award one of those categories to the movie of that it seemed rife with, I suppose. Uh, it's just, it's fun. I look forward to all the categories. And then at the end of the show, they either file or phobe it, hence the name Cinephobe. And it's pretty straight down the middle. I, I like that they don't even do number ratings. It's just file. I liked it. Phobe. I hated it. And it, it's that simple and it's fun. And it, sometimes it gets exciting because you're just like, I don't know. I don't know where they're going to land. Like it seemed like what's his face was hating it a little bit more, but they'll usually do some sort of little speech at the end or sometimes the anticlimactic that fucking phobe, man, this movie's terrible. Uh, but it's really fun. If you like movies, I highly recommend it. It's really well edited. Uh, they have lots of fun sound drops that at first I wasn't super in love with, but the more I listen to the show, the more I look forward to all their running gags. It's like anytime there's anything about inappropriately aged relationships, they have this Danny DeVito clip from always sunny that they play. And it, it gets to the point where they can literally just play the sound of him, like huffing and puffing for just a beat. And it like works as a joke because you get familiar to like the little drops and stuff. It, it's got like hints of a morning zoo radio show, but not like to an annoying degree, which makes sense because I think two of the hosts are sports like radio guys. Uh, but it also means they're really good at talking. They're great. I like their banter. So if you if you like movie stuff, I definitely recommend Cinephobe. Uh, past guest of the show, Justin, who was on the Big Trouble in Little China and the Congo episode. Did we do Congo? What a what a time. Uh, he's the one that recommended it, and I, I I'm super hardcore addicted to it. I actually have multiple episodes of my regular podcast that have fallen by the wayside because every time i want to listen to something now i'm just like ah, i mean i got so many episodes of cinephobe i can listen to I'll, I'll just listen to that i'm just i've been in the mood for it lately so yeah cinephobe it's a great uh you're listening to my movie podcast go listen to some other movie podcast fuck my podcast what am i talking about <laughs> uh but it's good to shout out at the stuff like i mean who knows maybe maybe you're trying to fill your day with podcasts so even though my episodes are unnecessarily long maybe you need even more uh, and Cinephobe, if you're a movie person, I'd, I'd recommend, super recommend. I'd, I file Cinephobe. Yeah. Yeah, I went there. <laughs> Anyways, enough about what I listened to. Let's talk about what I watched. First, let's do... Oh, gosh. Um, uh, we're going to jump around a little bit. I got two TV shows to talk about, and I have one, two, three, four, five movies to talk about. I'm going to talk about one TV show first real quick. Because uh, I don't have much to say, because I only watched two episodes of it so far. I did finally start House of Dragon, because everybody was watching it. And I was like, I guess I should check this out. And I did. And I feel like it says a lot that I haven't gone back and watched the rest of the series. But having said that, I really enjoyed the first two episodes. I was impressed. It was nice being reminded why I got into Game of Thrones in the first place. And that Game of Thrones can be a good show. House of Dragons is really good. I like it. It's very dark. I like the dark shit. I like how awful everything is. I like how shitty everyone is. I like the scheming. That's the thing. I love the scheming. It's It, it took me a while to get into Game of Thrones. I used to not like it because I was wanting like a medieval fantasy show. And I realized it's a political show that happens to take place in a medieval fantasy world. And once I got on board with that, I really liked Game of Thrones until the very end when they completely fucked it up and everything sucked and the last season was terrible. Uh, and I was very wary of starting House of Dragons because of that. But I like it so far. I will definitely pick it up and finish it for sure. I enjoy it. And I just have only watched the first two episodes, so I don't have a lot to say. I There's just a, there's a lot of standout moments in, in the first two episodes. It, I, I, I don't know if I talked about it on the show, but I watched a little bit of Rings of Power and I just could not be arsed to watch more than two episodes of it but house of dragon i was like this is a fucking show shit's happening i want to know what's going to happen even though it's jumping around a little bit it's just everything's intriguing all the characters feel really fleshed out and i like a lot of them even even when they're pieces of shit like obviously matt smith's character i don't know any other names off the top of my head but matt smith's character he's like an awful person but he's so good at being like a cocky shit and you just want to know what he's going to do uh, he's just like such a wild card. So House of Dragon is fun. I just don't have a lot to say about it because I haven't watched a lot about it. I watched a lot about it. I haven't watched a lot of it. Uh, and so that's that's all I got to say about House of Dragons. So that's out of the way. 
next let's talk about let's we're gonna go to movies uh until the very end so what order I, um, 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 um let's go with <laughs> the same day that i watch planes trains and automobiles which i will not talk about because there's a whole episode you can listen to me talk about that movie with my friend Bron. uh it was a very fun episode to do uh but the same day i think i even mentioned on the show i watched horrible bosses too uh and this is appropriate i'm glad that i mentioned cinephobe because the reason i watched horrible bosses too was because they fucking love that movie and they quote it nonstop. and i like the first horrible bosses i'm actually a big mark for jason bateman he's probably if i was like ranking male actors uh he'd be pretty high on my list actually i just really like him uh, ever since Arrested Development, I've just been a fan. I think he's one of the best straight man acts in comedy, but he's actually got more range than that, too. And also, underrated director. He could, could, gives me slight Ben Stiller vibes occasionally. Um, but Arrested Development is like, I mean, fucking all-time goat of a show, and he is literally the linchpin that makes that show work, and I don't think he gets enough credit. It's very much... I, I've done this rant before, but I always feel like main characters of shows get kind of shafted because all the eccentric side characters are so much more flashy, you know? And so it's like, oh, I'm a big Job fan. Or, and I mean, admittedly, Aaliyah Shawkat, I'm like fully in love with. So she maybe is my favorite Arrested Development character, but Jason Bateman's character is named Michael, I think off the top of my head. I'm bl I blanked on that for a second, but uh, his character is pretty high up there. And the show wouldn't work without him. And I don't know if he gets enough credit for that. Same as... I feel like I did this on one of the episodes, but I ranted about how Buffy's really underappreciated uh, on her own show because people are more into the side characters, you know? So Jason Bateman doesn't get enough credit. This trio of base, uh, basement, <laughs> basement man, uh, that's me. No, just kidding. Uh, we have a shitty basement, so I don't go down in it. Uh, but the trio of Bateman, Charlie Day, and Jason, um, holy shit, I'm blanking on his fucking name, fucking Ted Lasso. Why can't I think of his name? The thing was, I wanted to say Siegel, but it's Sudeikis. Not a big Sudeikis fan. I think he's fine. I like that movie Hall Pass, kind of. He's decent in it. I don't watch Ted Lasso. Uh, for me, he's the weak link of Horrible Bosses, too, for sure. But he's, he's good in it. Their dynamic is funny. The entire movie is very clearly, these three guys have good chemistry. Just put the camera on them and let them riff and hope they stay somewhat in the realm of what the plot of the movie is <laughs> and, and just go. And then... Jennifer Aniston's really good in the movie, and uh, Chris Pine, I've always, I've been saying for years, there's like that, oh, the Chris's of Hollywood, you got Chris Pine, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, and uh, Chris Pine, Chris Pine, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, and Chris Pratt, right, uh, circled around on that, <laughs> but Pratt is by far and away my least favorite, I think he actually fully sucks now, uh, even if you loved him like back when Parks and Rec, he just is a shell of who he used to be. Hemsworth, I've never thought was that good. I don't think he's funny. Evans, I like fine. I wish he would still do some of his earlier shtick where he was a lot more cocky and fun. He's Ever since he became Captain America, that's not much of what he does anymore. But Chris Pine, easily the best of them all. Super duper underrated actor. Absolute chameleon. I mean, go watch fucking Hell or High Water and tell me that's like the same guy as the dude from uh the wonder woman movies uh he he's fucking great and it was a real treat to see him in horrible bosses too i didn't know he was in it and he plays such a huge role in it and he fits right in like that trio is really hard to crack but he is able to kind of come in and even take over some of the scenes the, the chemistry is good the movie's funny it's the kind of movie you could watch a ton and still not pick every joke up because they're so fast it's almost a little exhausting at times because they none of them ever shut up uh, but it also makes it very rewatchable, I think, not that I've rewatched it, but I enjoyed it. Didn't blow my mind. I get why the people on Cinephobe like it so much, and I am glad I watched it because I had a really good time listening to the episode they did on it, and now I also pick up a lot of the references they do, and they're just like, I'm going to get the biggest, coarsest piece of rope. And blah, I'm like, oh, okay, that's uh, funny. Um, <laughs> but when they're doing the, uh, <laughs> they're doing Southern accents when they're trying to do a ransom, it, it, it's good. There's a lot of really good gags in it. I don't know why I didn't watch it when it came out because I liked the first one. Um, but I'm I'm glad I finally got around to it. It's not something I would have normally watched 
on my own, but just because they talk about it so much, I was like, fuck it, I'll give it a go. I'm glad I watched it. I had a fun time. Uh, for some reason, you never watched it. If you liked Horrible Bosses, I can't imagine you wouldn't get a kick out of this movie. Um, it's just a funny. It's a decent, good comedy with characters that have a lot of chemistry. I really think the only true weak point of the movie is I don't find myself caring that much about our main characters. I think they're funny and watchable, but there is like no emotional emotional depth to any of their characters. I kept getting confused because Charlie Day has a family in the movie, but I guess Sudeikis and Bateman just don't. So they're just like weird 40-year-old single men or something, which I found kind of strange. They just don't have a lot of interior life. And that's not really the point of the characters, but it's just, it's never going to put the movie in top tier for me because you can still have a really funny movie with very rich characters and, and they have their sticks like, and they fit in them well, but yeah, it's just, it's like not a very emotionally deep movie, but it's funny. It's a, it's a real fun watch, like definitely something you could throw on with friends and just enjoy. So, uh, I'm recommending a movie from like 2014 or something. I don't fucking know. It was a good watch. I'm glad I watched it. I had a fun time. I think I'm going to kind of do these in order of uh, least favorite to favorite stuff I've watched recently. And so if I'm doing that, I actually probably, well, this is, pre- this is pretty similar level as Horrible Bosses too. I watched Weird, uh, the Al Yankovic story, that Daniel Radcliffe fake biopic movie that they did about Weird Al. I didn't really know. I knew it was going to be kind of funny. I didn't know it was like a full on parody type thing. It's a very small genre. You have stuff like Walk Hard or Dewey Cox Story, and you have like Pop Star Never Stop, Never Stopping. Uh, and what's funny is about about this niche category is both of the movies I just mentioned are amazing films. Uh, Weird is a good film. I liked it well enough. It didn't leave a super lasting impression on me, but I watched it with some friends and we had a good time. I laughed a lot. Radcliffe's performance is great. He's super good in the role. Some of the humor just doesn't quite hit. It's just, it goes so far sometimes. And it just, you know, sometimes a movie like this will really lean into a joke for a while. And if you're not, if it doesn't really catch you, then you're just kind of watching something slightly amusing for a little bit, but it's really, it's good. It's well done. I had a good time with it. I'll probably never watch it again. Uh, my only real big takeaway from the film, other than Radcliffe's pretty excellent performance, is uh, they casted, they have Evan Rachel Wood playing Madonna in the film, and I was so happy every time she was on screen, because I'm just, I love Evan Rachel Wood. I think she's so fucking great. Uh, loved her since True Blood, and and she's just, she's amazing. She's an amazing actor. I love the way she played Madonna. I kind of love what the movie did with Madonna. Again, this movie is like kind of a, it gets more and more ridiculous as it goes on. So by the end of it, you're like, how did we even get here? But like my friend Joe kept saying, man, whoever made this movie really hated Madonna. But for some reason, the more twisted and shitty she got, the more I just kind of loved her, which I guess says a lot about me uh, as a person. I am into really fucked up women. Uh, (laughs) but And power hungry and ambitious. I, I find that very attractive. Uh, so I found Evan Rachel Wood's Madonna character very, very attractive in this movie. And I, I was just obsessed with her. And like I said, I was happy every time she was on screen. So that kind of pushed it up a slight notch for me. It's funny because like they try to make her seem like this crazy evil tyrant. And I just kind of like, I love her. I would spend the rest of my life with her. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if it was the character or if it was just because Evan Rachel Wood's so awesome. But yeah, I was... I need, it just reminded me I need to go back and uh, pick up Westworld again because she's fucking phenomenal on that show. But yeah, weird. It's good. It's it's on Roku. It's fucking free. You got to watch a couple ads, which I thought was funny when we were watching it. It was almost all ads for Roku. I'm like, guys, we're already here. Uh, <laughs> you got us. You don't need to advertise your platform to us. We're here watching Roku. Although I assume a lot of people will download it to watch weird. It's so I, I get the angle. It's like, hey, we got other shit too. Stay with us. Uh, so it, it makes sense, but it, it, it's free. You can watch a weird for free, and it's pretty funny. Uh, and if you like Al Yankovic, <sighs> I managed to finish. I don't know why I almost <laughs> petered out there, but uh, if you like weird Al Yankovic, a l- even a little bit, I can't imagine you wouldn't get a big kick out of the movie. There's definitely songs of his I wasn't that familiar with, but I don't think you have to be that familiar with him to enjoy the movie. But there's going to be 
notes of songs. And I'm sure there's a million in jokes that I just didn't catch because I'm not like Al Yankovic super fan. I kind of got into him when he had his sort of huge comeback with the white and nerdy song like that really blew up when I was in high school, the ride and dirty white and nerdy thing. And I, I listened to some of his stuff after that, but like one of the first big songs in the movie is like the, my Bologna song. I was like, I don't, I don't know the song at all. So, <laughs> but, but I still enjoyed it. So that should hopefully tell you where you were at as far as if you're a big fan, you'll really enjoy it. If you're not a big fan, you'll probably still like the movie. It's pretty good. Uh, that's my review, I guess. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Next up, let's talk about the movie that may give Kate Blanchett another Oscar or, or her first Oscar. I don't know. I think she's got Oscars already, so maybe another one. But that movie is Tar. It is a movie where she plays this world-renowned composer. I this was a very much a case of a movie that I was like, damn, this movie's firing on all cylinders. I feel like the writer-director is achieving every bit of the vision that he set out to achieve. It's just not quite doing it for me. Um, it's too long. It's way too long. But Kate Blanchett is fucking magnetic as this character. It's just, it's very much a case of she's playing a character who, as the movie, even from the jump, you're like, is she kind of a piece of shit? And then you just kind of watch her be a piece of shit the whole movie and she's a fascinating character and i think the way the movie is it has a lot of really interesting themes to explore about uh you know society in general gender politics sexual politics uh all that stuff i find it actually a really interesting choice that he chose to go with a woman composer and, and go with the kind of story that he's telling but it's also very subtle it's a very subtle movie a lot of the stuff that's going on is kind of happening underneath the current, and you have to really be paying attention to pick up on every little bit. But it just, at the end of the day, it's not a movie I've thought about much since I saw it in theaters. I mean, like I said, I think it's just incredibly competent. Objectively, I think it's a really great movie. It's just for me personally, it didn't super do it. Uh, but I, I enjoyed my time with it. Again, it's just a little too long. The performances are great. I really like the way it's shot. There's some surprising bits of like really good dark humor here and there. Uh, but it just it just wasn't super for me. It's just it's hard for me with a character because she's like there's not really a lot of redeemable qualities about her. So you're just watching someone be awful for two and a half hours and you're just it gets a little exhausting after a while. It's yeah, we do we do character pieces on not so great people sometimes and this movie feels not very judgy. It feels like it's just presenting the facts to you. And I like that about it. But at the same time, it's not like this is a real person. So it's, you had the leeway to do whatever you wanted with their character. And it's, it's just interesting that they choose to do what they do with it. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's getting a lot of award buzz. If you watch the trailer and it seems like the kind of, it's a very artsy fartsy movie for sure. I appreciate it on, on the level of, other than the occasional scene where there's like a, or like there's a, is it orchestra? Is that a word? <laughs> there's all the people in the, in the orchestra. Yeah. That's what the word I was looking for. Uh, it's, it's actually seems like it was probably a pretty low budget movie. Uh, it sent me down a rabbit hole. The guy that directed it, whose name I'm blanking on currently, I apologize for the power of pausing stuff. And my phone, I have found out the director's name is Todd field. He has a fascinating career. He, Started off as an actor, worked with Stanley Kubrick early in his career, and he's not directed a lot of movies, but every movie he has made has been incredibly well-received, which is just, I'm always fascinated by those careers. It was kind of sad diving down the rabbit hole, finding out he's had several projects he's tried to get off the ground, and then something stupid will happen, and they just won't work out. He, he had a huge gap between his last movie and this one, and it just seems like he's really great, and it feels... I just hate seeing when a great artist isn't able to output as much as they could be because it just feels like we're being robbed a little bit. I know some of it was he was just focusing on his family, so it wasn't necessarily, oh, Hollywood's keeping him down or anything like that. But I'm glad he's back and I'm glad he's making shit. He just seems really competent um, and people seem to really like working with him. And so I'll definitely be keeping an eye on him from here out. And you might even see his other movies appear on the show sometime because they're, they're low key and 
not super famous films, but they're both incredibly well received. So I'm definitely interested in it. And I, I, I like him as a director for sure. But Tar just wasn't super for me, but it, it was good though. It's just, it's really well made. It reminds me of when I watched uh, The Lighthouse. Uh, the Lighthouse was a movie that I was like, this is really well made. I don't know if it's for me, but it's really well made. <laughs> and those are always like the toughest films for me because it, it just literally comes down to subjective opinion at that point where I just, uh, you know, I'm like, I recognize this is good. This is not what I'm necessarily looking for. And that's all I can really say at that point, you know, but it's a good movie. Uh, watch the trailer and see if you're interested in it. And, all, and if you love Kate Blanchett, I mean, holy shit. Uh, Definitely check it out. <laughs> I believe that takes us to what's funny about seeing Tar is I went down to Indianapolis with a friend of mine. Actually, with Tar, well, I drove from Fort Wayne with a friend of mine, and we were planning on doing a double feature. I actually got to see Tar with uh, my coworker Pat, who I don't think will ever be on the show, which sucks because I actually would love to have him on sometime. Uh, he's an older guy and he just has a really interesting perspective. But I also. Uh, saw it with my friend Tommy, who I believe you guys would remember from the Blow episode. Blow? No. Uh, blowout. <laughs> the Blowout episode. Um, I, who I, I definitely need to have him back on the show, but uh, we, we saw Tar together. He unfortunately dipped before we had our second film, and, you know, now I'm remembering it in the wrong order. Uh, Tar was the second movie that we saw, which is crazy, because I still... You would think that would have wiped the first movie we saw from my brain, but the first movie we saw, I definitely liked a lot more, and that film was Decision to Leave by one of my favorite current working directors, Park Chan-wook. My expectations for this film were very high. They were perhaps too high. I, I wouldn't say I was let down, but when I walk into one of his films, I'm expecting like the Handmaiden-level quality stuff, and if you know me at all, the Handmaiden is one of my favorite movies of all time. Straight up, just all time. I think that movie's fucking phenomenal. I love his movie Thirst. Old Boy's great. Uh, Miss Vengeance was good. I need to watch that one again, though. And, his, I need, and I also need to watch his other Vengeance movie. Um, but I just think he's a fucking great director. He's one of my favorites that's doing it. Uh, so my expectations were sky high for this film. It was really good. Um, it's got a very interesting, like slight detective noir feel. It's got like, it's hard for me to describe if you're not that familiar with Korean cinema, but there's like a dark humor I've noticed to a lot of films and especially Park Chan-wook's work where it, it's darkly funny, but it's very darkly funny. Uh, the, the subject matter is, is bleak. But there's still humor to be had. I'm laughing during the movies that he makes and stuff. And so this movie is interesting. It's about this detective who's investigating this guy who seems to have just fallen to his death, but it's a little bit suspicious. And he becomes embroiled with this guy's wife. And the whole movie is really just sort of about their back and forth. And this movie, more than anything I've seen recently, has made me just want to watch it again. I feel like I can't even really render a true full verdict on the film i can just say i thought it was really interesting and the dance between the two characters was fascinating and this movie did something i love that i i feel like i only see in foreign cinema foreign specifically to me in american uh, international cinema i don't know i don't know what the right terms are i i, I just always hope i'm never saying something offensive uh but i've noticed in korean cinema specifically they don't give a fuck about structure and I love that. And Decision to Leave does not give a fuck about traditional structure to the point where part of the reason I want to watch it again is because I was not prepared for the ride. The movie kind of seems like it starts winding down and then suddenly it's still going and you're like, where was this heading towards? And there's a whole other act that it goes into. And it's an even more fascinating act than what you've been watching before. And I was like, damn, this is great, but I'm, I'm almost exhausted by the ride I've taken already. I was kind of winding down with the film, and now I've got to try to re-engage, so it kind of put me on my heels a little bit, uh, so that's, that's why I'd love to watch it again. I also think there's a lot more nuances with the characters that I was than I was appreciating, because really my only big weak points of the film were just, it is a little long, 
and I didn't care about the main guy that much, but he's a very subdued, subtle character. And I think upon a rewatch, I think there's a lot more to dig into with this character. And I think the dialogue, while sometimes seeming surface level, actually is saying a lot about the characters. And I think it's just a movie that I'm, I'm actually really excited to go back and watch it again, because I think it's a lot more subtle and nuanced than I even realized. And I was picking up a lot of what it was putting down, but I don't think I was picking up everything. And I'm really ready to be invested in these two main characters' relationship. And I was, but I think there's some stuff that was kind of passing me by that is, would strengthen it. And I, bottom line is, uh, if you like Korean cinema at all, if you like Park Chan-wook at all, I don't think you're going to be disappointed by Decision to Leave. It's, it's fantastic. I, I really, really liked it. It's just, it's a very complex, subtle beast. The tones are very... It's it's I don't I, I hesitate to say all over the place because it all feels of a piece, but there's times where you're you're kind of chuckling, there's times where you're kind of horrified, there's times where you're like, am I just watching a straight up romance? Like what's happening right now? Uh, and again, I think it's the kind of movie that is really easy to fall in love with on repeated viewings, which is why I'm being a little cagey about it. But I, I wholeheartedly recommend it. Um, if you if you like international cinema even a little bit, it's fucking great. I, I hope it's doing well. I haven't really followed up on it. Um, I'm excited. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it again someday, and I'm hoping I like it even more. I mean, that's what happened with The Handmaiden is when I finally returned to that. I just was like, damn, there's still so much here that I didn't even pick up on the first time. Like, Park Chan-wook is just, he's the fucking goat. I, I hope people like him as much as I do. I know Old Boy is a really popular movie, and The Handmaiden did pretty well, but I just think he's amazing. Uh, I, I think Bong Joon-ho really took the world by storm when Parasite came out. That was such a smash hit. I, I feel like Park Chan-wook is 100% in the same conversation with him, and I don't feel like I see people talk about him as much, and it seems like a shame, because I, I, think, I think he's fucking great. And Decision Leave was really good. I don't think it's as good as like The Handmaiden or Thirst, for me personally. Uh, but it's, it's pretty high up there. It was, it was a good fucking movie. I, I liked it a lot. Uh, super, super hard recommend for sure. It'll, it'll, uh, if I ever get around in my 2022 best of list, it, it will appear on that for sure. Second, last, but certainly not least, I very recently watched a movie called The Menu, uh, starring Ray Fiennes, Anya Taylor-Joy, sort of Nicholas Holt, sort of John Leguizamo, uh, Hong Chow. She's fucking great in the movie. Um, it's directed by a guy I'd never really heard of named Mark Millad. Um, it's my understanding when I was doing a little research on him that he's more of a TV guy. I think he's directed like episodes of succession and stuff like that, which makes sense. Cause, uh, the guy definitely seems to have a lane of, uh, rich affluent people are awful. Even though I haven't watched succession, I know that's very much what it's about, but I, I gotta say, I just, I'll, I'll be blunt with it. I mentioned posting about a film on Facebook and getting some buzz from it. The menu is the film I posted about. The menu fucking rules. I had such a good time with this movie. It's so up my alley. The tone that it's striking, it's sort of a satire, but it's not that stupid, cheeky, wink, wink, nod, nod shit. Like, what's funny is when the credits hit, it says, like, produced by Adam McKay and Will Ferrell. And I was like, really? Because Adam McKay makes the kind of satire these days that I think is just too far, and it's not subtle, and it's just smashing you in the face with a hammer, and it's exhausting. This felt so tasteful and well done, and I really think it just comes down to the wholehearted commitment to it. Everyone in this movie is committed to the world they're living in 100%. They're all taking it so seriously, and even though it's really goofy and over-the-top and it's just the pacing is amazing. The The slow escalation of everything is beautiful. Everyone's fucking firing on all cylinders. This is also very much a lower budget film. Most of it's shot in one location. It's just the same actors the whole time. Just these restaurant diners and then the cooks and, and the main chef played by Ray Fiennes. Like, God, I fucking love this movie. And it's still out right now playing. So I'm not going to spoil too much about it. I'm going I'm to admit I'm biased. I am full on head over heels in love with Anya Taylor Joy. I have loved her ever since I saw her in Thoroughbreds. I really genuinely feel like she can do no wrong. 
Uh, she's to the point where if she's in something, I will just watch it just because she's in it. And she's fucking great in this movie as as sort of our main character. They just, I don't know, just I felt like everything was so well done. The way they slowly piece out information. Because you just, you start realizing something's wrong with certain characters. And, and it just, it does a good job of stringing you along just enough until finally you're like, what the fuck? And then they'll reveal some piece of information. And you'll be like, oh, that's why they were acting like that this whole time. Because they came in, they, they knew this and holy shit. And just, it's just, man, this movie fucking rules. It's so well shot. I love the way it looks. I love Anya Taylor-Joy in it. There's, there's really good character stuff in it too, especially with her character and Ray Fiennes. And it's subtle. It's there, there. It's there for you to pick up on if you want it. They don't dwell on it a lot, but where these characters are coming from, you you understand. I mean, it goes pretty far. I wouldn't necessarily say you fully understand why they're doing what they're doing, but I would definitely, if somebody had questions about this film, I felt like it did everything it needed to do to explain why what was happening was happening, and and I felt everything was even as far as it goes. Everything felt so weirdly justified and perfect and the, the dark humor wave that it's that it's treading this line, it treads it perfectly and the pacing is immaculate. I had such a fucking great time with this movie. I it's super high up there in terms of stuff I've watched this year. Literally the only thing I've watched this year that I, I would put above it is everything everywhere all at once, which is just a movie that made me cry for forty straight minutes and then could make me cry later if I just thought about certain scenes hard enough. Uh, so nothing's really going to topple that, but this, this fucking tried and it almost did. Uh, the menu fucking rules uh, and it's still playing right now. And if, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. My dream is that this movie does well because it deserves to do well. I love the themes of it. It just, man, they just fucking nailed it. Sometimes you just watch a movie and you're just like, they fucking nailed it. They had a vision and they executed it and it was perfect. I, I'm sure the more I watch it, the more it'll just go up. I, I gave it like a four and a half out of five stars just because I try to be really stingy with my five stars, but I was pretty fucking tempted. I, I don't even really know what my faults with the film would be. Uh, so yeah, the menu fucking rules. And I, I seriously go see it. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't care if you turn off this episode and go watch it right now. Cause I, I heartily recommend it. It's fucking great last, but of course, absolutely not least my new main squeeze a tv show that i would have clips recommended to me on facebook all the time and i'd watch them and go this looks fun and then i was what was i doing i was watching something it must have been like a tiktok clip from like the show and it was like you know like all of this is on youtube for free i was like really and so i kind of went over to youtube typed it in okay here's the channel they have clips yeah I'll go to playlist okay they have 11 full series just here and as someone with youtube red or whatever the fuck it's called these days i don't even have commercials i just here it is uh that show is a british show called taskmaster oh you know what i know what it was i was i was watching uh the tv show episode of uh trash taste uh, which is a podcast i like on youtube and uh two of the people are brits and they start talking about taskmaster and i was like i guess i just finally gotta watch taskmaster and boy oh boy am i glad that i did because i fucking love the show i cannot stop watching it I, I don't think it's even been a week since i started watching it i have finished the first five series which if you don't know british tv at all a series is essentially what they call a season. The episodes on YouTube are about 45 minutes long. I don't want to do the math on how much uh, that means I've consumed recently, but I can't put it down. Every free moment I have, I pull up Taskmaster. I just finished Series 5 today, and I already started Series 6 when I was like eating dinner. Uh, any free moment I have, I haven't even been listening to podcasts as much anymore because I'm like, well, why not just throw on fucking Taskmaster? Uh, it's, it's hard to describe. Uh, it's, it's a show where they have five comedians on. There's different comedians every season, which that's weirdly part of the fun of the show is every season you grow to love the cast so much. And when it's over, you're really like, damn, I'm going to miss these guys so much. 
And then the new season starts and usually you fall in love all over again. And by the time they're gone, you're like, I'm so sad they're gone. Um, I will say series five, I always read the comments of every episode. It seems like uh, series five and series seven are widely agreed upon as like some of the best seasons. And I see why, because series five is definitely my favorite I've seen so far. But it's been fun. I would highly recommend starting from the beginning and watching the show sort of evolve a little bit. But they kind of had it right from the start. You get five comedians and then you just make them do weird shit and you watch them try to figure it out. You It's called Taskmaster because they get assigned tasks to do. And the fun of the show is just watching how they execute those tasks. Some of, Sometimes they try to come up with workarounds or they just try to do their best and every comedian has their own personality. So you start to kind of understand the way they think and the way they tackle stuff. And there's just always surprises. It's so funny. It's so well-constructed. Um, but I would recommend just starting from the beginning. Uh, the the first series, I slowly fell in love with the people. And each, as it went on, like series three was really good. Series four, I had a couple people I just was in love with. But series five, holy shit. Every single person on that cast is amazing. Uh, you just, there was such a weird mix of people and they were all such lunatics and they just never failed to disappoint. Uh, but the, the standout for me in series five is definitely Sally Phillips. She is a fucking lunatic. Uh, and I am incredibly, <laughs> incredibly attracted to her. Uh, again, I, I briefly mentioned talking about how, wow, what does it say about me that I was so in love with Madonna in the weird Al Yankovic fake biopic but uh sally phillips was the was another sort of moment where i was like man she's really weird and really crazy and i kind of am in love with her (laughs) because of it uh she's great i love sally phillips so much and i i think there's a pretty strong consensus for most people that she's amazing but every contestant on that show is great bob mortimer is also an absolute fucking lunatic in that particular series and he just and then nation marker so great and then I feel bad because I have trouble pronouncing her name, but it's like Aislinn or something like that. She has an Irish name and she's fucking great. She really rounds out the cast really well. Every episode of that series was a banger, but they're all good. It's just a, such a fun, digestible show. It's lighthearted. The humor, it can be really quick and fun. So it, you got to like pay a little bit of attention to it because there could be these exchanges that are, it's it's very dry. I, I just, it basically comes down to, do you like British TV at all? If the answer to that is even somewhat of a yes, you'll love Taskmaster. And because I mean, the humor, there's there's like a dry British humor and it's not for everybody, but I really like it. Most of the really popular British shows that I've bothered to watch, I tend to like a lot. A coworker of mine recommended The Detectorist to me a while ago, which I don't know if I've ever spoken about on the show, but Again, it's just like this dry humor. It just, it's hard to describe if you don't know it, but if you've seen British TV, you know it. Uh, and Taskmaster captures that really well. You get excited. It's a game show, essentially. So you have all the excitement of a game show, watching people compete. But I, I'm excited to... I'm, I'm in Series 6 now. I'm excited to try to fall in love with these new contestants. But I'm also kind of... Since people won't shut up about Series 7. And so I noticed Series 7 has James Acaster on it, who finally... What's funny is, other than Series 4, which had Noel Fielding and Mel, I cannot pronounce her last name, uh, who I know from the Great British Baking Show, I've not known any of these people going in, so I just kind of get to learn about who they are and fall in love with them, but uh, James Acaster is someone I've seen a lot of, so I am excited to see the season that he's on, because I'm familiar with him, so I'll go in with a bias on that one, but it's just, I don't know, it's so good. It's on YouTube. It's free. Uh, I, what more can I say? Like, go go watch the first episode, and I, if you're not head over heels, then I mean, sorry, I'm sorry, you're you have a cold, dead heart and no joy in your life because I can't see how you could watch it and not get a kick out of it. Uh, I, I can't put it down. Like, literally, as I went to record this, I was watching the first episode of series six. As soon as I stop recording this and do all my shit, I'm gonna pull the episode back up and start watching it again. I'm hardcore addicted to it uh because it's, it's just so good uh, i mean what else can i say uh the hosts are great there's a fun dynamic greg davies is the taskmaster and he has alex horn as sort of his sidekick but sort of the joke of the show is that alex horn is the creator of the show but he's 
purposely put himself in this sort of beta subservient role. Uh, again, it's hard to describe, but their dynamic is amazing. He's a great, great Davis is great taskmaster, and Alex is, he, he's just so, he's funny in such a subtle way. You, you have to pay attention because he's, he's, of anybody that's on the show, he easily is, has the driest sense of humor. The way he's able to deliver some, some of his lines with such a straight face, uh, it's fun watching other people crack when he doesn't and stuff. Uh, it's just, he's, he's great. The whole show is great. Cannot recommend Taskmaster enough. It, it fucking rules. <laughs> um, that's everything I've watched recently. Real quick, I'm just going to shout out a couple things I'm excited to watch in case you guys are looking for recommendations and stuff. Obviously, I can't speak to them because I haven't seen them, but uh, Bones and All is in theaters right now. I think that movie looks really exciting. It's getting pretty good reviews. Uh, so that's exciting. Glass Onion, it feels like if you like Knives Out at all, that should be right up your alley. I'm excited to check it out. I don't know if I'll get to catch it in theaters. I might just have to wait till it drops on Netflix, but I'll definitely be watching it. Triangle of Sadness looks really fun. It's from a director who's like pretty well regarded, but I haven't seen any of his work, so I want to check it out. But last but not least, uh, Martin McDonough released a movie this year called Banshees of, I think it's Ina Sheeran or something like that. It hasn't fucking come to a theater near me, and I didn't man manage to get down to Indy to see it. I'm so pissed because I'm a Martin McDonough super fan, and he's teaming up with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, again, from In Bruges, uh, to make a movie, and it's being really well regarded. Uh, Pat, who I went to see those other two movies with, went and saw Banshees without me, because I was unavailable. It's not his fault. But he was like, I really liked it. It was even better than the other movies we saw, and I was like, you motherfucker, because if he liked it and he's not even a fan... Uh, it's gonna uh, it'll probably i really loved everything everywhere all at once in the menu but wouldn't be surprised if it bumps the menu for number two uh, or even i mean maybe it'll be so good it gets number one i mean but i can't fucking see it it hasn't come anywhere and i'm pissed but if you're anywhere where it's available uh i definitely would recommend it i even though i haven't seen it every review has led me to believe it's fucking amazing maybe some of his best work and i already love every other movie he's made so yeah, Banshees, Banshees, I, please, please, I want to see you, <laughs> please, please, so, uh, but yeah, that's it, those are my recommendations, guys, I hope you didn't mind this episode, I, uh, talked about some stuff I saw recently, and, uh, <laughs> not much more else to say, uh, look forward to future episodes, I have nothing on the docket right now, and I have a very busy weekend, so... I really should uh, take that into consideration now that I'm thinking about it. I need to, I need to line something up because uh, that's actually going to get pretty hairy pretty quickly. Uh, I can't do more what I've been watching because uh, I just blew all of that. So I <laughs> uh, look forward to something uh, coming up. And I, I thank you guys for listening to this. All my shit. If you're hearing this right now, you're the best. I love you. And I hope you have an amazing day, night, week, month, year, life, please. You're in my thoughts. <laughs> and I'm in yours and your ears right now. I'm in your brain. But I'm going to bid you adieu. <laughs> so, lucky you. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? I'm wrapping the episode up. Thank you guys so much. And as I unfortunately always say at the end of every episode, I will catch you. <laughs>